Mac Power Users, Episode 272, Mac-Based Small Business. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside my friend David Sparks. Hey, David. Hey, Katie Floyd. How are you today? I'm doing well. And, you know, this is an episode that I've been uh, thinking about for a while, ever since you announced, gosh, what was it, several months ago now, that uh, you were uh, kicking it to the man and going solo. Yeah, that all happened kind of in late February. I, after 21 years in a law firm, I left and opened up my own solo practice. And it was terrifying. And uh, we thought at the time, hey, that's a good show. <laughs> so, <laughs> Let's do it. So what you're saying is you, you quit your steady job after 21 years and took a huge risk just so we would have content for this particular episode of Mac Power Users. That, that's how I roll. That because that's how, that's how dedicated you are to the show. Yeah. And uh, so we were thinking at the beginning, I said, well, let's wait several months because I, I, I just wanted to see how the dust settled. I had kind of an idea of how I'd go about setting up my own small Mac based business, which is what this show is really about. How do you set up a small Mac based business? And um, uh, but I wanted to kind of be in the trenches a while before I got too uh, too much on my pedestal about this. Yeah, well, I am really excited to hear about uh, how it went for you because uh, I actually have a, a little announcement that I'm I'm ready to to make public with the internet. Bring it on, Katie Floyd. Let's hear it. Yeah, so uh, I uh, I quit my job too. <laughs> there seems to be something going around, isn't there? People uh, get around me, and things happen. We so, do. What, so what are you doing with your life? But uh, mine's mine's not nearly as dramatic as yours. So uh, don't don't everybody buddy freak out. So, um, you know, for, for the last, uh, gosh, uh, eight, nine years. So not as not as long as you have. But I've you know, if you know anything about how, you know, the legal profession works and it's, you know, just as seen on TV, I guess a little bit. But, you know, typically you work the first several years. Of, of your legal practice as an associate, and then maybe you get promoted to partner and, and then things go on like that. Well, for, for the last uh, several years of my life, I've worked for various firms as an associate, which basically means you're, you're an employee, you report to someone, you know, typically you have a salary and, um, you know, you, you work for the firm. And um, very, very happy. I liked my firm, liked liked the people a lot. But, you know, it was kind of time to to take the next step. And um, so that's that's what I'm doing. I actually received an offer from a, another firm here in town, a firm that's run by a, a couple of good friends of mine who have gotten together. And uh, just a an offer that I couldn't refuse to to go join them. So uh, not going to be an associate anymore. I'm gonna gonna take that next big step and and do another thing. And it's it's scary but exhilarating at the same time because um, you know now now I'm responsible for for me and and other people as well. So well, I'm thrilled well, for you, Katie. And, yeah, uh, well, by, thank by you. Time, now, when this show, we're recording the show a little early, but by the time the show airs, you will be entrenched, right? You'll be at the new gig. Um, I think I will be uh, starting at the new gig a week after the show okay. comes out. So, yeah. So, so everybody wish Katie well. It's always very uh, stressful going into a new office, I know. Uh, I'm so happy for you. But um, but today's all about me. <laughs> it is It is sort all of. about you. Actually, but, it's but, about me and about some questions you may have as you're making this transition as well. 
I, I'm looking forward to it because with with the new gig, I'm going to have a lot more freedom. Now, I've been very fortunate in my current gig that I that I had a lot of freedom and uh, kind of ran the technical side of the office, but going to have even more flexibility at the at the new gig as well because I I really just kind of report to me. So um, I'm, I'm going to work with some other folks, but and work within their infrastructure a little bit. But very excited about the way that they do things, and they've pretty much said, you know, whatever you want is is that's how you're going to run things. So I'd, I'd like to hear about how you you uh, how you set things up and how that's working for you. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to talk about, because uh, going out on your own uh, is is scary, especially when you got a kid in college and all the other things. But the um, it's also exciting because you get to make all the decisions. And and that is a, a really great place to be. I when I first started this, I had a, a Merlin man and I occasionally have these little calls with each other. And and he said something to me, he says, look, this is a um, opportunity for you to establish new habits. He says, how many times in life do you get to turn everything upside down and just start new habits from square one? And he's so right, because for so long I would get up every day, I'd shave, get dressed, go to the office. You know, you had this whole routine and now the routine is completely new. So I really tried to keep that in mind as I, over the last few months, as I start making decisions about what ways I'm going to do little things, uh, that this is an opportunity to establish a new habit or a new kind of way of doing business. And, uh, and having been in a big law firm, and I, I'm not going to make this a show about being a lawyer, by the way, if you're out there listening and ready to turn it off. Uh, this is really a show about small business. But one thing about law firms is there's, you know, a lot of them are very, um, they use Stuffing. antiquated. Yeah, they use antiquated technology and stuff. And I, I wanted to bring kind of a different way of practicing law to my life. And um, I'm going to talk more about my reflections about the whole process at the end of the show, because I do have some thoughts on that. But I'll tell you one thing about this. I'm more excited about being a lawyer now than ever, because being able to set my own kind of way of doing things has been great. So I haven't actually seen you, and I know we're going to have an opportunity um, later this year to get together, and I'm very excited about that. I haven't actually seen you, so are you telling me that you like you like have a neck beard now? You don't get up and shave anymore, <laughs> and and you you just you just wear like geek t shirts and pajama pants all day. I am a yeah. I'm living in a hole. <laughs> I'm no, just actually, checking. But you know what? That's a good jumping off point. Uh, where do I go to work these days? That's a question that um, I haven't really talked much about. But, um, you know, going out on your own with a small business, you have a lot of options. And it's funny, and I'm a business attorney. That's kind of my job is I help people when they're setting up and running their businesses. So this is advice I've given for years. I always tell people, you know, you're starting a new company. The very first thing is don't spend a single penny. You don't have to at the beginning, you know, don't go out and buy all new computers. If the old ones are still working, don't, you know, just don't get a big copier. You know, just there's so many places people get into trouble when they start a new business. And one of them is um, spending money where they don't need to until they have their arms wrapped around, you know, what the business is really going to do for them. And for me going out on my own was, was a little scary because like, you know, I, I've got to pay for my own insurance and I've got, you know, that basically my family's reliant on me you know, making this work. So uh, one of the first questions I faced when going out to start my own business was, do I um, do the traditional lawyer thing and, and lease an office, you know, cause, cause there's lots of lawyers at least space. So I could like for a reasonable fee, I could have an office in somebody else's law office or go, you know, go to a building and get my own space. Or do I do one of these virtual offices, which is becoming the rage. And um, well, and the other the thing that, that you have to keep in mind, and not just as an attorney, but that other business professionals have to keep in mind as well, is how does that appear to your clients? You know, if you're in the client service business, 
or if you're in the customer service business, period, if you're interacting with your customers, which lawyers may not every single day in person, but we do quite a bit, you also have to be aware of how you're perceived by your customers because that perception is very important. Yeah, I totally agree. And and I've been really um, transparent with my clients about how my office is set up and how I work. And, um, and I actually kind of use it as a selling point because... Um, I feel like a lot of the traditional nonsense in the law business is one of the reasons why everything costs so much money is because they have all this crazy overhead for stuff they don't really need. But anyway, so for me, I actually did consider going into renting space from somebody. It's um, there are some advantages to it. Um, like I, I believe that lawyers um, having contact with other lawyers is a really good thing because, you know, crazy stuff happens in this business and kind of being able to talk to some other lawyers about you aren't going to believe what so-and-so just did uh, kind of gives you a, a sounding board. Um, but at the end of the day, I decided that I, what I really wanted to do is, is keep the overhead low and have a little more control. And, and frankly, you know, after getting up every day and going to the office for 21 years, I wanted to just turn things upside down. So I went with a virtual office. So I've, I've got, if you look at my website, I've got an address. It's, you know, it's a nice big building. I'm on the eighth floor, but I'm hardly ever there. Um, if I paid them a little extra, they would have an office for me, but I, I find I don't generally need it. So I'm, I'm working from home. Uh, for the most part. Now, can you talk a little bit about how virtual offices work? I mean, are you just are you just renting an address or do you also have privileges to use a conference room? I mean, what and I know that all of the arrangements are that are, are different depending upon what you pay for. There may be different packages, yeah. but but generally what are what types of things are involved with those types of services? Yeah, I mean, the starting point is an address. It's basically an address you put on your letterhead and mail comes there and I stop by there and pick up my mail. Uh, this one that I am renting from also has some really nice conference rooms. So when I need to have client meetings, um, I set them in there. And in my case, I pay an additional fee for that. I guess some of them have a free conference room. Mine doesn't. You have to pay for it if you want it. Uh, from there, you can go up and you can actually get space. Mine also has a day office that you can rent. So if you just want an office for the day. And a couple of times I've done client meetings at my office and used the, the meeting facilities. But uh, for the type of law I do, um, I represent a lot of companies. And one of the advantages of going out my own is the billable hours no longer the master. You know, for lawyers, that's always the thing. How many hours did you bill? And when you're in a firm, that's everybody knows. And it's a big deal. You know, uh, I'm not as obsessed with that. I don't need to bill as many to do OK. And I just I just really want to be the best at client service. So uh, one of the things I have put in place is I drive to my clients. I do house calls. You know, uh, most of my business clients are close enough where I can just get in the car and I go meet them every month or two. And I don't charge them to tr travel up there, but I do charge them for the meeting if it's something that we need to do. And, and the clients love it because um, they don't have to get in their car to come see me. And I like it because when I'm at their office, I usually find things that I can help them with as a lawyer that I wouldn't see otherwise, you know, uh, just, you know, there's something to be said for getting your hands dirty. So I haven't even found that I use the the rental space for the office that much. And then the other thing I find I do, because if I'm going to pay for use of the conference room, why not instead take the client out to a nice meal? So quite often, if they want to meet with me, I take them out to a restaurant. I buy them a nice lunch or something. And then and we have our meeting there. So uh, I haven't been using the virtual office that much. And after you know three or four months now, it seems to me that that is probably the right fit for me. Um, which probably leads to the next question about working at home. 
Yeah. So how has that worked? I mean, do you have a dedicated space that you've set up at home? Did you kick one of your kids out of their bedrooms and say, sorry, this is my office space now? <laughs> yeah, that would have went over really well. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> The, um, I, you know, it, it, we have a small house. We don't have a huge house and, um, the, uh, but we have, um, we don't have an extra room. So I, I didn't have an extra room to create my own office in, but for years, our, our master bedroom is big enough that a corner of the master bedroom has been my office for years. I've written books here. I've podcasted here with my friend Katie, you know, so everybody's used to dad having kind of a, a work at home office. Um, when I, I told a couple of my client friends, I said, yeah, I'd be working home most of the time. A couple of them were very funny and they're like, look, there's no way that'll ever work for you. You, you just will never get any work done. If you stay home, you're going to have to get an office. I've even had clients tell me, Dave, I'll give you a free office. Just come to my, you know, come to my business and I'll give you a free office. Just don't, don't work at home. Um, well, I found at least four months in that it's just working at home has been great for me. <laughs> I, uh, I love it. And, um, it hasn't been really that much of a challenge. I, I know that, you know, it's fun to talk about how hard things are, but working at home has been just amazing. Um, uh, you know, a close friend of mine, um, told me when I first left, he said, think about how much time you spend every day getting up, you know, going through the drill, you know, putting the suit on, getting in the car, going to the office, you know, the initial meetings at the office before you actually got to do legal work. And, you know, it'd be sometimes nine or 10 o'clock at the office before I could really get started. And now I can get up at 7 a.m. and, you know, be in my geek T-shirt and do work for three or four hours before, you know, before well, I never would have got that done. So um, it's really been I don't know. That's one of the big advantages for me. I, I feel like it's it'd be really hard for me to go back to an office now after having done this for a little while. Right. But so what barriers, if any, have you had to set up? Because there are a lot of distractions at the home office. I mean, have you instituted a routine? Have you, you know, put a put a sign on the door that said, you know, look, when when dad's working, there are no interruptions, because it is very easy, I think, when you're working for home for people to not really think that you're working. Yeah, I, I so one of my advantages, I don't have small children. You know, my kids have grown up enough. My my youngest is 13. My oldest is 18. So they're kind of at the stage where they're perfectly fine, not interacting with me for hours at a time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, and, and they're used to me working at home. I mean, I guess one of the setups for all this has been all the work I've done as Max Sparky over the years. They're used to when the door gets shut, I'm either podcasting or working or doing something where I can't be interrupted. And, and so they're fine with that. And and uh, they've been really supportive. And, you know, when I've got something going on, they stay out of the way. Um, but the flip side of it is um, when there's stuff that's not going on, I get to participate in it. I mean, just this morning is a good example. I got up, I was finishing a contract this morning and got it done. And I went downstairs and my daughter had come home and there's a, you know, kind of a, a quirky donut place around here that my daughter had gone to and she got donuts and and all of us sat around the table and had these, you know, funny flavored donuts, you know, and did you know there's a huckleberry donut, by the way? What, what exactly does huckleberry taste like? It's, it's a little bitter and it's kind of sweet. It's actually quite good. But anyway, I was sitting there and I didn't say anything at the time, but I was thinking, you know, before these things used to happen, but I just was never part of them. And now I am. And. And it really felt good, you know, knowing that because, you know, the kids grow up pretty quickly and like the 18 year old probably isn't going to be. Uh, sadly, I'm going to get my own home office at some point and I'm not looking forward to it because that means I'm going to lose one of my kids. 
but the, um, but either way, you know, so it, it's nice being around when you can take time to join in on those things. So, uh, it's really been, been good. Uh, you know, motivation is one issue. People say when you work at home, it's hard to get motivated. I don't know. I feel frantic. I feel like if I don't work, you know, you know, we're going to lose everything. You know, I, I'm the breadwinner here, so I've got plenty of motivation. You know, <laughs> that that's not an issue at all for me. I'm not like laying in bed all morning, just like reading comic books. You know, I'm up running and I've got, you know, I'm not going to get into this show, but I'm, I'm still balancing all the stuff with everything I do for Max Barkey, too. So it's motivation isn't a problem. I, I do like to get away once in a while. I found after several months now I've, I'm getting to where um, once in a while I just need to get out. And, you know, I go out to these client meetings I was talking about earlier, but I also have a couple local haunts that, you know, are tea joints or whatever. And sometimes I bring my fancy or, new Mac MacBook with me. the Disneyland annex. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Every, that's become kind of a joke. I get joked about on Twitter all the time, but my wife is completely nuts about Disneyland and I used to be a skipper. So, you know, we both have a lot of history there and she really likes going and she's got friends she goes with. And this was all going on because we have passes. If you live in Southern California, it makes a lot of sense. But the, um, but you know, she was going without me to see her friends and it was fine. And, and then one day she says, well, why don't you come along? I said, well, I got this work to do. She said, well, bring your computer. So then I'll go and like the um, Grand Californian Hotel has this gorgeous lobby and I uh, and I'll sit in there. It gets me away from my desk for a little while. It's a good place to not really do calls, but like if you have like a big contract project or something you're working on. So I'll sit there on my laptop. I'll work for two or three hours. Then I'll go have lunch with her and then we'll go home. And that's another thing that never would have happened before. Now, do you find distraction a problem in, in a place either when you're at home uh, and, you know, there's just the noise of the hustle and bustle of either somebody banging around or, or the kids doing something or when you're at a place like a coffee shop or even the the Disneyland Hotel where there's so much activity? I mean, can you really buckle down and focus and, and get something done? I, I guess a lot of that may depend on your working style and the individual person. I don't think I could. Yeah, one of my one of my rare uh, good traits is I'm a world class unitasker. Um, when my mom died, uh, one of her her uh, friends was talking to me at the funeral, and she said, "You know, your mom used to always laugh at you." And she said, "When you were a kid, you'd be like reading a book or something, and you'd walk across the room, and you'd like walk right through." clothing or something on the ground and like you know you would literally be oblivious to all that and and i asked your mom aren't you mad that he doesn't like stop to pay attention she's like i don't think he even knows he's doing it <laughs> and, <laughs> and i think it's true i i once i get focused on something it's very easy for me to block everything out whether i'm in the disneyland hotel or at home or wherever so i don't i've never really experienced that problem i guess i'm fortunate in that regard I mean, that's just one thing that the, the, even the noise in the office of the, the guy next door who's on the phone and, you know, louder than not using his proper inside voice just drives me bonkers. Yeah. And see, I actually have more control over that now. The um, uh, in our house, we've got I built several years ago, a little fountain in the backyard or a little like pond. I have goldfish and it you know, makes me happy to sit out there. And when the weather's right, I've got a little some chairs out there and I sit out there and work for hours. And, um, you know, with the uh, between the the retina iMac and the retina MacBook, I can get my work done anywhere. So it's it's nice. And, and when I need a break, I can go take a break and go somewhere. But largely, uh, most of my days are spent on the phone with clients and uh, at my computer. And then I have what I call circuit days. And, you know, I was talking about earlier how I go meet with clients. I try to schedule those 
several at a time. And um, I, I ride the circuit, you know, like this Thursday, I'm going to be in West L.A. and then Pasadena and then a couple other places, a couple other client meetings. I'm just going to spend the whole day driving around meeting people. I won't make much money that day, but I'll be able to connect with my clients and kind of make sure everything's going the way it should be. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, anything else about working from home that you. That well, you I mean, cover? it's. No, no, um, get yourself a good desk. I got a sit stand desk that goes up and down. And, oh yeah, um, how are you? How are, which one did you get? Because I know we've <sighs> talked about a lot of different ones on the show. I uh, I went nuts. I bought the one that was recommended on the uh, wire cutter. Which one oh. is it? I'll look it up. It was like and a th- yeah. Throw a link in the show notes. Yeah, it was it was it was expensive. It was like twelve hundred dollars. But the um, but you know what? I just said heck with it. And this is uh, I actually bought this several years ago. But I'm using it more than ever now. Now my watch tells me I have to stand up every once in a while. Um, you know, make your make your workspace comfortable for you. Um. If you're going to be working at home, I think habits are good, you know, and um, but, you know, I just haven't had one of the things I read about when I first started working at home, you know, of course, because I'm a nerd, I started reading about what are the risks is that, you know, you, you get home and you get lazy and you don't do your stuff. And I just have I feel more motivated than ever. Like, I, I almost feel like I'm always behind. So I'm trying to, like, race to get everything done. So um, that hasn't been an issue for me at all. Well, I guess one of the big things is you obviously have to have the work to do. I mean, this this yeah. worked for you because you had the clients and you had the work and, you know, it, it, and we'll talk a little about marketing and things like that perhaps later, but it, it sounds like that hasn't been a problem for you. You've got the workload. You're, you're probably not having to go out and hit the pavement and solicit, solicit business. That might be a little bit harder when you're working from home. It, it sounds like you've at least got the established base that you have yeah. enough to do. Yeah, well, 20 years, you know, you get a few clients over the years. you've got a few, so. All right, well, I want to talk a little bit more about how you got started, how you set this up, some of the preliminary things that you did, you know, even even before you started day one at the office. But uh, before you do, I want to take a quick break and talk about our first sponsor. And that's actually a new sponsor to Mac Power Users, and that is Igloo. So I want to thank Igloo for sponsoring this episode. And Igloo is the intranet that you'll actually like. So with Igloo, you don't have to be stuck Uh, to your desk at work. Uh, You can manage your task list from your laptop during a meeting, share status updates from your phone as you're leaving the client site, uh, and even access the latest version of a file from your home. And if you're like David, you can even do this in your pajamas or your geeky shirt, and absolutely nobody will know. Everything is mobile, and obviously your work should be too. And if you still work in that corporate day job and you've got to put up with one of their corporate internets, you probably thought who designed this thing and you probably hate it. Well, if that's what you think, you are probably not using Igloo because Igloo allows you to make the internet feel like the place that you'll actually want to be and be able to get work done. It is amazingly configurable and you'll be able to completely rebrand it and give it the look and feel of your team. Uh, They've got group spaces and role-based action permissions and easy draft and drag and drop widget editor so you can reorganize the whole platform to make it fit exactly your needs. Uh, with our mobile lives, people are uh, bringing their apps inside the company. They're bringing their own devices. This can bring a lot of problems along with it. But if you use Igloo, you don't have to worry about that. It's going to integrate with services like Box, Google Drive, Dropbox, all in one easy, secure platform. 
They've got 256-bit encryption. They've got Active Directory integrations. They've got all that kind of stuff that I don't really understand. They just take care of it for you. And with Igloo, you can share files with coworkers. You can use it to collaborate uh, on all of your tasks. You can also track who has read what and even get read receipts so you can follow up on people and know that things are getting done. So if you're stuck using a corporate internet that you actually hate, now is the good time to break away. Go sign up for Igloo right now. You can try it for free for any team with up to 10 people for as long as you want. In fact, this might be something, David, that I'm looking at bringing to my new gig. Uh, You can sign up right now at igloosoftware.com. I-G-L-O-O software.com slash Mac Power users. That will let them know that we sent you. And thank you so much to Igloo for supporting Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. You know, when I decided I was going to have a virtual office, one of the things that I worried about was I don't want to be considered some rinky dink operation. You know, well, yeah. I, I want people to understand. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good lawyer and I do good work and, um, and I want to pr- project that image as well as, as live up to it. So um, I was very careful about setting up the website and some of the other bits to, uh, to give that image. Um, so the first thing I did was I wanted to make a good website. So I, I went to you know our sponsor Squarespace, which is really perfect for this um, uh, and spent a lot of time on the website design, you know, kind of getting it right. Now, Squarespace, and I, this will not turn into a Squarespace ad, I, I promise. You know, you obviously had quite a bit of experience with Squarespace. I know you use it for Max Sparky. We've we've used it for other things. I mean, so you're you're kind of the tech guy. It's easy for you to, to build a site, although Squarespace certainly makes it easy for everybody. But in addition to actually building the site and making a, a good good looking site, um, one of the things that I know you spent a lot of time on because you you sent me some early drafts and I know you went back and forth with a couple of people on it um, is that you really spent a lot of time on the actual website content and I know that I felt in, in projects that I've been involved with in the past you know it's it's pretty easy to make a good looking site you know there are lots of template based solutions whether it's Squarespace or another one so making a site that is appealing and decent to look at isn't necessarily that hard but then when you read a lot of these sites the, the content is just garbage because, you know, nobody paid any attention to the content. It was just, you know, what can we get some clerk to write or what can we copy and paste and grab from somebody else's site? Unfortunately, that happens. Um, But I know that's that's where you really sweat bullets on this. Yeah. And I had a lot of assistance from you and actually a few of our listeners were in, in, in the circle and in, in the Sparks beta program. Yeah. And then uh, Ernie Svensson, who was a guest on our show. I mean, actually quite a few people who've been on our show were kind of there helping me. And the thing was, I, I am um, most law firm websites are terrible and the text could be the same text on all of the websites. Go look at like any five lawyer websites and they all say we're results oriented law practice, blah, 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 blah. And then you just want to say, what the heck did I just read? So um, Ernie was the primary driver for me of challenging me and saying, look, make it different, make it better, you know, convey who you are. And then he gave me the best advice I've ever had about a website. He says, I don't want you to just attract clients that you like. I want you to repel clients you don't like. And that to me was a really eye-opening. So I wrote a website, a lawyer website. It's all in the first person. I tell everything from my side and explain what I'm doing. And, um, it's not a real active website, you know, um, it's there, you know, the way I view it is people are going to come look at that website when they hear about me. It's not like they're going to go search and find me, although maybe some do, I don't know. But if they hear about me, then they can say, let me get a feel for who this guy is before I contact him because hiring a lawyer for your business, um, is not 
something you do with a guy you meet at a cocktail party. You know, it's you got to figure out if he's the right guy. And so so that's what I did with the website. It came out really nice. I'm, I'm really proud of it. It's it's funny to me that um, the um, the response to the website has been mixed. My clients all generally like it. I haven't had too much negative feedback. A lot of lawyer friends I have think it's great. And a lot of lawyer friends I have think it's the worst website they've ever seen. So, mm. well, it's, 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 it's different. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's, there's this, this formula for lawyer websites because many of the big companies sell them and they're just template based and they sell them to you. And, and so there's, there's a certain expectation of what you're expecting to see. Yeah, well, you're not getting that at my site. No, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah, anyway, um, so I did, but but I wanted it to pr- project well. Um, I'm not entirely happy with all of it. I'm still making some changes. I'm not happy with the picture on the home screen, but I, I've just been so busy. I have to, I'm going to get a better picture. Um, but anyway, uh, so things are coming along. Uh, at some point, I may add video to it, but but the whole idea of it was I wanted to explain that this is a different kind of law practice. And um, But I also wanted the other pieces to look good, like I have good letterhead and good business cards, and like I have letterpress cards so i mean it's like when you see the stuff coming from my practice you're like okay this guy's for real and the other one that was a big deal to me was the telephone service you know who's going to answer the phone for me and even though i'm i'm not i don't have an office i do have someone answer the phone for me yeah and we had we had talked about that because I think that is that is huge and it again goes back to having that professional appearance and um, you know when you answer your own phones it kind of conveys something and I'm not saying that it's necessarily bad to answer your own phones but you want someone's first impression with you to be a positive one and there are many many times that you can't answer the phone because you're busy maybe you're on a podcast with me maybe you're meeting with a client maybe you're doing something else so um, I think you found a very unique solution to the phones and I've actually um talk to this company a little bit. So why don't you tell people what you did? Yeah. So I, I looked around and, and ended up with a Ruby receptionist. It's a company out of Portland and they're like, uh, this is another one. Ernie Svensson had a role and he says they're seal team six of receptionist services. And they really are. They're just awesome. They're very friendly when somebody calls. Um, they, you know, I have, so I guess the back end is I have a Google uh, number which I forward to Ruby receptionist, so I could pull away from Ruby if I wanted. And then, um, and then when Ruby gets the call, they sound like they're in my office. They're happy to help you. And then they ring my cell phone and say, "Katie Floyd's on the line. Can you talk to her?" And I say yes, and they put her through. Or I say no, and they take a message. Um, they they text me when a message is left for me. They send me if they people leave a voicemail, they send me the wave file so I can listen to it. Um, it's just really on top of it. If I wanted, I could tell them to return calls for me, you know, tell Katie I'm busy, but I'll like to meet her for lunch on Tuesday. If she's available, they do that for you. So it's just so like, they'll, like having, schedule appointments and things like that. Yeah, do they have access yeah. to your calendar or? Well, no, I haven't gone that far with them because I, I don't need to, but they, um, I don't think they'll schedule events, but they'll return a message. So, so, so Ruby receptionist is really just a top notch service. They're more expensive. I looked into some other services that were cheaper. Um, but I would just, what I really want is when someone picks up the phone for them to say sparks law and be friendly and helpful and not sound like they can't wait to get you off the phone. So, um, that's what I do. And, and frankly, with most of my clients, I mean, once you're kind of in the circle, I usually just give them my cell phone and the clients, the active clients usually just call me directly. And I tell them, look, if I'm busy, I won't answer the phone. You understand, you know, and they get it. But 
the, you know, the primary purpose for Ruby is, is people from the outside calling lawyers, calling in on cases I'm litigating, you know, things like that. And that, that while not inexpensive, it's, it's 250 bucks a month for the intro, you know, for the lowest plan, which is what I, which is fine for me. Um, that's a lot of money when you, you know, calculate it out over a year, but it's, it's worth it to me to have a good receptionist. Yeah. I think you told me at one point, it was probably the single largest expense that you undertook when you started this. Um, well, no, there's other, I mean, yeah. you got to buy malpractice insurance and I'm paying for our health insurance, which is a huge expense, but I mean, it, it is one of the bigger expenses of, of getting the business going, but it's, it's necessary. Now I want to take a, just a little step back. You were saying you've got a Google voice number because I know a lot of people in small businesses make use of Google voice. So you've got a Google voice number that you forward to Ruby. So what's the number on your business card? Is that your Google voice number? Yeah. Does that cause you any heartburn? A little. Yeah, it does, frankly. And I don't know what to, what the long-term solution to do about it. When when I was making this transition, I was making a million decisions. And I ultimately said, I'm just going to do Google Voice. At least I control that for now. If at some point I don't get any more control over that, uh, th- there's no messages being left on. I guess let me, <laughs> I'm rambling again, Katie. Okay, so the concerns with the Google Voice number are number one, privacy. Um, but there are no messages left on Google voice. Everything goes through Ruby receptionist. So my clients aren't leaving me voicemail messages in Google voice. Um, uh, the other concern is Google voice doesn't seem like it's really made a lot of money for Google. Is this going to be one of those services that they just pull the plug on one day? And yeah, that would be like my, no big, big deal. my bigger concern because apparently yeah. Google never talks about Google voice. You know, yeah. they don't bring it up in their Google conferences or any of that. Yeah. So I don't know if that happens, my number will change. <laughs> You know, I mean, I don't know what else to say, but the, uh, but I would assume if it happened, they would have some vehicle for you to get your number out. But if they don't, I'll just make it work. You know? Yeah, I think you can actually, and, and we can do a little Googling and add some links to the show notes, but I, I have seen articles where, and I believe there's a small fee, but you can port your Google voice number to another service. So I think you can still keep that number if you like it. Yeah. So, um, so that's what I did. And then as soon as I hooked it up with Ruby, Ruby also has a service where they would have a number for you. Like if you just pay them, they'll, they'll get a phone number you can use, but I didn't really want to do that. I wanted to control the number. Yeah. And, and you can, by the way, port your Google voice number out. So good, good news for you. There we go. Um, you know, the other, the other means of communication are important. You know, email was a big deal. And this was like a big relief to me after having been on exchange servers and all the other big law firm stuff for years to say, I can just make an IMAP account for my email. And what did you decide to do with that? Did you end up going with like a Google apps account or did you just pick up like no. email through hover or something? Yeah, I, I got a hover email account. I'm, I'm almost wishing, um, I had tried Fastmail because I'm paying for Hover for Max Barkey and I keep hearing all these great things about Fastmail so I could compare them. You know, the the geek in me wants to compare them. But, but you know, Hover has been just solid for me for so many years with the Max Barkey account. It just made sense. I bought the domain through Hover. Um, it just, you know, it just made sense. So I have a Hover email account. Um, it's IMAP based. So I can use it on all my devices. I control it. Nobody else is reading it. It's, you know, it's, it's all great. You know, uh, it's, it's worked rock solid and it allows me to truly use all those great features in Apple mail or whatever mail application I want that, that supports IMAP. Yeah. My new firm is on Google docs. My old firm is on exchange. So I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how that works or yeah, Google apps, Google apps that, on Google docs. That'll actually be some good content for our show too. I want to hear how that works for you. 
Yeah. Now, my understanding with Hover, and I use Hover for one of my email services as well, is that it's just email. I don't think you have uh, contacts and calendar sync. So what are you doing for all that? Uh, iCloud. iCloud. Okay. But l- so before you've, we go you've on, simplified. Though, yeah, exactly. In fact, that's something I, I'm looking forward to talking about. But before we go on, um, you know, one of the things that I've, I'm evolving is exactly how do I handle uh, law, litigation and law related email? And and I've been playing with Devon Think as we've talked about it on the show. It seems like a good solution. But I'll tell you something that's really grown in my esteem is mail tags, because, you know, I, I never thought tagging mail made sense. But now that I'm running kind of a law practice out of an IMAP account, it makes tons of sense. All right. So give me an example, because you have you have always been a, a you know, like three folder guy. Yeah, I still am. I still am. So, but the, um, but everything gets tagged with a mail tags project tag. So I can still find like, like for instance, if I have the Katie Floyd matter, um, that's a project name and every email that comes and gets tagged Katie Floyd matter. And, um, those tags are searchable in Apple mail as metadata. So I can create a smart folder that says Katie Floyd matter, and it's going to have all the Katie Floyd matter email. Cause I just tag it as it comes in. And but still, you know, the location of the mail is probably going to be in the archive or the sent folder. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm I'm interested. I need to I need to I would I need to check and see how mail tags integrates with Google Docs, because I would love, love, love to be able to use mail tags and get rid of my multiple folder system that I'm constantly using at my current soon to be former job. The um the developer of mail tags is one of the downsides I've had is my I put my laptop on El Capitan because I can't help myself. Of course you and can. And mail tags is one of the you know the lost soldiers in that process because they change the way it works. So the developer is working really hard to come up. Um, th- there's going to be a new version that I don't know. If, I'm sorry, it's not a new version. I don't know what he's going to do whether it's a new version or not. He's but he's going to fix it. He's fixing it. And in fact, I had a beta working, and then I updated the beta. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's not working, so I got to get a hold of him. But I've been I've been a total jerk in like asking the guy for, hey, can I get in on your private beta, even though you haven't gone public with it yet? Because I need it to make everything work. That's just an example of how helpful um, mail tags has been for me because it's just a really great solution, which allows me to avoid the you know the million folders and at the same time find things by matter if I want to. And also those, those mail tags tags are going to be helpful to me as I kind of implement Devon think, I think I can use those mail tags to help make Devon smarter too. So um, I'm very interested in it. And, you know, the other nice thing is, you know, I don't, I just don't have the whole system that you have in a big law firm where you have to share with everybody and do all this stuff. So uh, email has just gotten a lot easier for me now. Yeah. Now, are you I know you're talking about implementing Devon Think at some point, but my understanding is you don't have that fully up and, and running yet. Do no, you, I don't. At this point, are you saving or are you archiving your mail? Or are you just keeping it in mail for now? Uh, I'm keeping it in mail, but anything that is material to like a matter, whether it's a letter to opposing counsel or some, you know, whatever uh, material emails, you know, and that to me is something like other than let's meet on Tuesday. I print it as PDF and save it to the correspondence file on the file system. So I have a bunch of them kind of stored in that way. And that's another thing. I use that keyboard shortcut, you know, command P twice and a text expander snippet that fills in the date. And then I put in the name, you know, it's just, it's a very easy couple keystrokes and I've got it saved. And, you know, that's using all the Mac power uses goodness. In fact, that one uses 
a keyboard shortcut combined with a text expander snippet combined with a hazel rule where that stuff happens really fast. And I just couldn't do that before. Right. Okay. Uh, well, I think we're going to talk a little bit more about your filing system, how you save documents, and then obviously we're going to circle back around to managing contacts and calendars because we've we've talked a little bit about about email. But before we do that, do you want to take a quick break and talk to us yeah, about our next sponsor? I'm, I'm worried about the time. I can talk so long, Katie. <laughs> There's so much to say about this business. But anyway, let's talk about our fans and friends over at Transporter. Um, the Transporter is a storage device that lets you create your own private cloud for syncing, accessing, and protecting and sharing your data. It's better than other cloud storage because it's 100% under your control where your files are stored and who has access to them. Uh, in my case, my transporter is uh, right next to my home office on my desk. And since all the communications are encrypted, it gives me entire control over where things are. If you upload your files to a cloud-based system, there are servers somewhere in the world holding your data. That's not so good, because if you want to take that off the Internet, you don't know how to. It's probably not even possible. But with a transporter, you just go unplug the device from the Internet and it's no longer there. That's what I love about it. If you like Dropbox, you're going to love the transporter because the out of the box setup is just like Dropbox. You can create an account or create a folder on your Mac or PC to hold all the documents you want. And they automatically start syncing to your transporter. The setup is the same as creating a new Dropbox account. They have drag and drop folders to sync and share, so any folders under the top level connected data folder will be shared and synced. Super easy. You can also share a folder with a single mouse click. You can select any folder and share it with others by the right click of the mouse. And this is something I do all the time. Like I have an expert witness I'm working with right now. Uh, I've got a folder on my drop on my um, I got a folder on my transporter, and then I um, I just shared it with him and then he's, he's good to go. Um, share by emailing a link. You can also send a link where they can, you right click on it, send an email, they can open it up. Uh, they, you know, this, this device just delivers. Uh, podcast listeners have heard us talking about Transporter before, but now it's a device for creating your own private cloud. Using it, you can sync files and folders between Mac PCs and iOS devices. They also sync to other devices, means you can easily create offsite backup solution. And this is something I do all the time. I've got a second Transporter offsite that not only stores uh, copies of my pictures, it also uh, stores copies of my files, which I'm going to talk about in just a minute. So I feel very comfortable knowing that there is a cloud-based backup for both of these things on storage that I control. So, And Transporter makes all that possible. It's really a great device, and they have a special offer for our listeners. You can get 10% off your purchase. That's up to $35 on a Transporter or Transporter Sync model by using the code MPU10. Once again, MPU10 when you buy it at www.filetransporterstore.com. Uh, transporters come in zero gigabyte configuration where you provide the drive. They also have them in 500 gigabyte, one terabyte and two terabyte capacities. And the prices are very reasonable. And the other advantage of this is once you buy it, you don't have to pay an ongoing subscription. It's, it's you own it, you get to use it. There's no monthly subscription fee. And I'm going to talk in a minute about how I store my files. And guess what? It's on a transporter. So listen, go check them out. Uh, they've been longtime sponsors of our show. They're really nice people. They make really great products. Um, transporter.com and get your 10% off by going transporterstore.com with MPU10. Thank yeah, you, Transporter. FileTransporterStore.com. File uh, whoops. Yeah. Sorry. That's a long URL. FileTransporterStore.com. There we go. Yeah. So I guess I should talk about files a little bit. Yeah, but before we do, let's kind of close the loop a little bit on on communication. Um, yeah. I, I started a little bit with with contacts and calendars, and it it sounds like you've you've really simplified that process. 
just by, you know, you've, you've consolidated your, your work contacts and calendars along in with your personal. You just use iCloud. Yeah. I mean, and it's fine. It, it's so, you know, it's so much easier when you only have one service. So iCloud is the place for my calendar and my contacts. Of course, I have set up groups and, uh, you know, in distinct calendars and groups where I put things so I can see all my clients or all the lawyers I deal with by picking the appropriate group. But everything is just in iCloud. Now, does this create any kind of problem? Like if you're going to send an invite to a meeting that is going to come from your iCloud account? No, because it doesn't come from my iCloud account. Um, iCloud, so if you put it, like I have a contacts database, and if I put Katie Floyd in there and I list you as an attorney on a case or whatever, and I send you an email, I'm still going to select which email it comes from. Right. Oh, so you just don't send the invite from within your calendar app? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Got it. All right. Um, You know, that's funny. Uh, Just on calendar invites, I don't do those that often. I usually feel like um, if somebody, if I agree with someone to meet them, I put it on my calendar and I leave it up to them to put it on their calendar. Mm, I don't trust anybody. Yeah. I feel like I have to manage their calendar for them. You know, the only, the only person that has control over my calendar is you. I, and I like it that way. (laughs) We have a shared MPU calendar. Yeah, it works Sometimes things just show up there. So (laughs) this, this is where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I hesitate. I hesitate to ask about this. Okay. But David, do you have a fax machine? Yeah. You know, it's funny because that was one of my um, initial um, that was one of my initial strong points is this law firm is not going to have a fax machine. And then, of course, I needed one because I was settling a case and the other lawyer came, you know, hot out of 1992 and was not ready to to scan or anything. He says, look, just, I just give me your fax number. And I realized that I can't win this battle. So I, uh, I, I went on, re- I, I did a little bit of searching. I didn't really do a lot of time researching it because it's not that important to me, but I went to ring centrals who I ended up with as my vendor. And I think I pay something like $70 a year and I've got a fax number with them that I can send faxes from and I can receive from. However, that fax number never appears on my letterhead or on my business cards or on my p- legal pleadings. I, I try not to give it out but I have a fax number. Okay. Um, And I'm assuming this fax just is an electronic fax. Yeah, exactly. Someone faxes it to me and then I get a, I get a um, image of it in an email. And you never send a fax. Um, no, I have not sent a fax yet. Uh, I guess I may have to. How does that work? Ring central would support it. I could upload a PDF and they would fax it for me. And, um, and I guess if someone said, well, I only have a fax machine. Um, I, I don't know how many people would not have an email at this point, though. But, yeah, I, I could if I needed to, but I haven't needed to yet. And this may end up being kind of a ridiculous thing where I pay $70 a year and use it like two or three times. Um, yeah, I guess we'll some see. expensive faxes. I can yeah. see the the line items on the bills that you send your client. Fax, $35. No, I, I don't yeah, bill I clients for that I stuff. Know. Yeah. But the, um, so that, yeah, I had, I do have a fax machine. (laughs) I thought I'd be able to get away without it, Katie, but I didn't. I didn't. Oh, oh well. Well, all right. So now that I think we've, we've covered all that communication stuff, let's, let's move on to uh, another meatier topic, much more interesting than fax machines, although probably not as funny. Um, but file systems, um, you know, you, you are Mr. Paperless. You, You wrote the book on the topic. Um, my law offices has an entire room 
devoted to file cabinets. And I'm sure the law office that you came from probably had something yep. similar. Yep. Paper everywhere. So, David, where where do you store your file cabinets? I don't have any file cabinets. <laughs> None? None. Oh. Not one. I have um I do have shelves out out in the garage of all places. This is a little embarrassing. I hope my clients at listening aren't, aren't upset, but I have a very nice garage where I keep corporate books. I have corporate books for something like, you know, 50 companies. And uh, so I've got all those very neatly stacked out there. Um, everything that comes in the door, though, gets scanned. Next to the I mean, lawnmower. He's got uh, corporate books, here, folks. Yeah, thanks, Katie. Yeah. You're helping me. Just saying. Uh, but I, everything that comes in the door gets scanned and very few pieces of paper need to stick around. And the ones that do, I usually send back to clients. I don't like to keep, this was even my old practice. I never wanted to keep original documents of anything that, that was that important because I don't, you know, in 10 years, I don't want somebody to call me up and ask me where it is. So I, I, uh, send originals back wherever possible. I scan everything and, you know, using all the stuff we talk about on the show, um, it is a very efficient system. I mean, when I think about at the firms I've worked with, how much time and effort was spent managing paper, it just makes me crazy. And, and it's so easy for me. Honestly, I, I, I get the mail. I sit here on my sit stand desk. I have a, a, a Fujitsu right next to me. I push the button, scan it all in. Some of it gets filed automatically using clever bits of Hazel. Some of it I have to name and it files then. And some of it I actually have to manually file or whatever, but it doesn't take that long and it's all super managed. And like when I'm in a client meeting and they ask me about some document, I can pull it up. No trouble at all. So it, it's just great. That, now, you know, that that's one of the things like, you, you think that with a law practice, and I don't, like I said, we're trying not to make this too law focused, that you would have to hire people to do, and this has just been a non-issue for me. So I think probably one of the keys to it, though, is you've got to stay on top of it. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it can it can create quite a backlog. Now, um, do you, uh, you've always been a files and folders guy. You've, you've, you've never used Evernote. You've, I mean, I know you've used it for other stuff, but you've never really been a, a document management system guy. Are you, are you still just using straight files and folders yeah. for all this type of stuff? Yeah. It's a hierarchical file system, depending on if it's a litigation or transactional matter. I mean, I have folders for like correspondence and I have folders for, um, you know, written documents like for, the, you know, I'll have a contract folder with a contract in it. Let's say I'm going to do for Katie, the Acme acquisition. I'll have a folder like that. And in that I'll have subfolders for the correspondence and that, that may be having scanned letters that Katie sent me, or may have a printed PDF email she sent me or whatever, you know, all correspondence goes in there. It gets date named, just like we've talked about on the show. So it's all sorted chronologically, even when I open it, uh, then like the con the actual contract folder itself will have the final PDF of the signed contract. But Within that is a drafts folder where I keep the word or the pages document that was the actual source of all that. And um, it's, uh, you know, it's just kind of second nature to me to have a very thorough system. So I could I've got every file and every matter wrapped up with a pretty bow on it. And uh, all that happens with this paperless system, which I save on a transporter. Now. You talked about this in, in your paperless book, and I'm sure you've already, you know, creating for you because you've already done a lot of the legwork and you had the advantage of writing a book on this topic. You know, you had a paperless system that you had adopted before in your previous practice. You had a file and folder structure. You had a naming system before. So 
for you, creating this structure and, uh, you know, adhering to it was probably no big deal. You probably just adopted the structure that you had been using for years. But for someone who's just starting out, for someone who's adopting this practice from the beginning, uh, that's probably a very important thing that you don't want to do haphazardly. You want to give it some thought up front because changing that midstream is going to be difficult. Yeah. I'd say my paperless book is still pretty good for those problems, but uh, you, you want to spend some time making sure you have a naming convention that makes sense and you understand, but it's even easier for me now because it's, it's my show. I mean, I'm the only person naming the files. Um, I'm the broom pusher and the president all at once. And that, that makes it nice. Right. Now you, you, jo- we jokingly talked about the corporate books and the garage, but you know, surely you must have some, paper documents that, that you have yeah. to keep at least, at least for some short-term stuff. Yeah. I, I don't have filing cabinets, but I do have some, um, some, some cases I put documents in. Yes. Yeah. But I, I mean, do try and, and get the originals out of here if I right. can. And I tend to like to take a paper file to court, but you probably don't do that. Are you all iPad? I've never been that guy. I like yeah. when I go to court and once again, we're getting to kind of the lawyer stuff probably too much, but like I have a one inch binder which I may bring to court with some papers in it, but generally I just take the iPad. Right. Now we've talked extensively about backing up. And so I don't want to go through the whole backup litany because we've covered that on other shows, but you are now bringing an entire business into your home. In addition to all of the family's personal data that you've always had and you've always had to maintain, um, have, have you developed a segregated s- separate system for maintaining this and backing this up? Have you just added this to your existing system? Has, has this presented any storage challenges or any backup challenges or anything like that? It goes on to the, you know, I've got multiple backups, you know, I've got Drobo, I've got extra hard drives. I, I, um, backup things onto, you know, the transporters in essence, a bit of a backup cause I have the offsite one. Um, so my stuff is is in many places if there's a problem. So right. I'm, I'm happy with the backup system. Okay. And then you, you talked earlier, you know, you're the president, but you're also the broom pusher. You, other than the, the virtual receptionist, you, you don't have any support staff. You don't have a paralegal. You don't have a secretary. You know, you don't have an associate. Yeah, I don't. It's it's just you. I mean, I don't have to go to any meetings. I that's one of the best things about this, except client meetings, which are different. You know, um, no, it's it's fine. I I have a couple friends who are paralegals, like long term, you know, paralegals who are very good, and I've got they're on call for me. If I got in a situation where I needed a paralegal support, I've got it available to me. I even write it into my retainer agreement how much it will cost. You know, so. I've got paralegal support if I need it. I haven't like needed if you're it yet. prepping for a trial or something. Yeah, like exactly that. like yeah. that. I mean, I was I had a big discovery project recently. I thought I was going to have to hire a paralegal, and I, it occurred to me a couple snippets in text expander would be faster. So I, I've got that secretarial support. I don't have. I mean, I I put the stamps on the envelopes and things like that, and um, I just don't feel like I've needed it yet. The type of law I do isn't real heavy on secretarial needs, so I'm not sure I'll need one, but so far I've been fine. Um, other attorneys is an interesting question. So uh, one of my clients said, well, when are you going to hire an associate? I'm, I'm like, I'm probably never going to hire an associate. I, I want to keep my practice in a scope where I can control everything. Uh, that's, you know, maybe a fault of mine, but I want to be, when a client asks me to do something, I want them to know I'm the one that does it. Um but I do have a, an extensive network of attorney friends who do other specialties. And in some ways, I kind of like to think of it like I'm in this big law firm in an essence where I can find you the best 
of whatever it is you need, uh, even though they're not part of me, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, uh, and I've been very active in keeping up with those friends, meeting with them, doing all that stuff. Um, so I've got that network always available to my clients. And, um, another, another issue that, um, I've, I've thought about is the idea of virtual assistance. You know, you can get these people sometimes they're on the other side of the world who can do work for you, scheduling meetings and like kind of grunt work, um, that I have not written the possibility of that off yet. I just, I'm still kind of getting my arms around what type of work I would give a person like that, but I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that. Maybe next year, if we talk about this again, I'll have something to report in that regard. You know, I'm just interested in how that works in general with a with a virtual assistant. So if if there's a Mac Power users listener out there who is a virtual assistant um, or or maybe who's who's utilized one, I'd kind of like to hear from somebody who is one or who's done one yeah. for that. Um, you know, drop us a line. You know, maybe maybe we could have you on an MPU live or something like that. I just I'd love to hear more about how that process works and what kind of tasks it's good for and, and, and what it isn't. So that's just something I've been curious about. But one of the things that I found is I'm, I'm very fortunate that I I have support staff in my office and I have a assistant who does a lot of secretarial functions for me. She, she does dictation. She addresses the envelope. She puts stamps on the envelope. She, she does things like that, that, that frees me up to do other tasks. And I, I will tell you candidly, and just, this is a, a joke, but it's also true envelopes. I have such a hard time getting the envelopes printed and, you know, putting, you know, making sure that the return address and the the envelope, you know, what side does it go in? I, you know, I must kill so many envelopes when on the days that she's out. Is it upside down? Is it, you know, backwards or whatever? Ha- have you found any little apps or any little tools in, in your in your six months or so that you've been doing this that have helped you with with some of those tasks? I mean, I, I know I think it's the folks is it at uh, Rogue Amoeba who have the little envelope maker? It. Might be the other one. I'll I'll put that in the in the uh, in the show notes because that's what I've ended up having to use. One of the things I did was um, when I first started is I bought a good quality laser color printer, and you know this kind of goes along the lines of I want to make sure everything I do looks professional and etc. So. So I did that early. So I've got, a, you know, one of my invest, you know, one of my big expenses of setting this up is getting a nice laser printer. And um, what I've done is for envelopes, and this is, you're not going to be impressed, Katie, but I have a um, pages template that I've made and it, it's just what it sounds like. I mean, it's a template in pages. That's the exact size of a business envelope. And I laid it out in a way that, you know, I can put, I, I don't, I have my return address print on the top. I don't, I don't have pre-printed envelopes. I'm just using store-bought envelopes, but good quality ones. The printer I bought, by the way, is a brother wireless color laser. Um, and then, so I just, when I have a new case or dealing with a new person, I'm sending an email, uh, a letter to, I open the template and I block and copy their address out of the letter I just wrote to them. Cause usually there's a letter that's been written if I need an envelope and paste it into the envelope template and then save it. And then in that hierarchy of nested folders, there's a folder called envelopes and I save it with the name, like yours would be Katie Floyd. And then in the future, if I send you another, if I write another letter to you, I just open that document up again and press print and my printer accepts envelopes and prints them just fine. So it's not very fancy, but it works just fine. Yeah. By the way, it was Ambrosia software that I was thinking of that makes the easy envelope app. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. I don't know if Ambrosia is even around anymore. Oh, yeah. It's still in the App Store. Okay. Yep. Well, anyway, uh, Pages does the job just fine for me. Uh, and, and they make that soundboard app, David, that we that we use every month for MPU Live. So, yeah, they're okay. still around. All right. 
Okay. Um, so any, where were any we? Any other little apps or anything like that you found that have that have helped you with those little things or any tools? Um, I, I found that I haven't need many of them. You know, I still, you know, the dictation is getting better and better in OS 10, but I still find Dragon dictate superior and I dictate a lot. And, you know, that's actually one of the nice things about working from home is I don't have to worry about making noise and disturbing other people. So, um, you know, I open up that dictation window and go crazy on it every morning. And then, then that usually ends up in letters and emails and pleadings and all sorts of other things. Now, do you still use that, that headset? Do you have a mobile headset that you walk around and dictate with? You know, it's funny. I, I don't use it as much now. I Now I use my, my podcasting mic. Oh, okay. Because so I, like I like to walk around when I dictate. I don't know what it yeah. is. No, I, I like that too. But lately I've been using the podcasting mic because it's, it's such a good mic. Um, the um, uh, You had a question for me in the outline about marketing. And, um, you know, I have continued to market. I mean, it's when you're a lawyer, it's a service business. You've got to, you know, get clients. And um, I have, um, I have, I belong to some like professional associations in, in Southern California, Orange County in particular, where I work with other lawyers and they often send me cases. I have friends that I work with. So I like to keep my name out there and talk to people. Um, my own clients send me work, you know, especially when I went on my own, some of them send me work because they knew that, you know, I would be looking for business. And, you know, something that really surprised me is how much work I got from Max Barkey. I mean, a lot of our listeners became clients, which I'd never expected, but they're some of the best clients I've ever had. They're just like really nice people. And, you know, it's, I don't know. I, I have a certain mentality as a lawyer where I try to keep, you know, things reasonable and save people money and things. And uh, our client, our, um, our listeners are kind of in that same demographic. They're smart people about the way they handle their business. So it's been really great. Um, I still market though. I mean, I think that's kind of important. Do you have, um, I know we don't want to make this a a lawyer based show, but I mean, any, any across the board tips that would, if you're a, if you're solo that would apply towards, you know, pretty much any business Mm. industry or I think, I think, well, I think if you're in the service business industry, the best marketing you can do is just really execute on the stuff that's on your desk, do really good work. And then, um, and you know, just be responsive, you know, I don't know. I don't really have any good advice for that. All right. Well, why don't we take a break here? And uh, I want to talk about our next sponsor. And then when we come back, we'll talk about some of the tools and some of the the apps that you use to to actually get your work done. Yes. Uh, So our next sponsor for this episode is our good friends over at Automatic. And Automatic is a connected car adapter. It plugs into your car's diagnostic port. And if you have a car in the United States that's been made since 1996, you've got one of these ports. In fact, I've got a 1997 Toyota. I've got one of these ports. And so what it does is it takes your old 97 Toyota and it turns it into a smart car because it pairs your car with your iPhone or even your Android phone if you want. And when you drive around, it connects your car to the internet through your phone and you can do all sorts of fun things once you can connect your car to the internet. Um, there's a free mobile app that you can download uh, from the App Store, and they've also got the automatic.com website. And so a couple of things that Automatic will do directly out of the box. One is trip logging. And this is really important for small business people uh, and something that I'm going to be using quite a bit when I move into my uh, new gig is that you can automatically log all of your trips and your parking locations so that you never use your car and you can flag a trip as business. So they've got a companion Apple Watch app and that if you trigger it and if you turn this feature on, it can ask you at the end of a completed trip, hey, was this a personal trip or was this a business trip? 
And you can say just directly from the watch, yes, this was a business trip. And boom, Automatic is going to log that trip, log it as a business trip. So at the end of the year or at the end of the month when you're doing your bills, whatever, you can sit down, you can keep a log of all of your trips and you can either bill them to the client, you can bill them for tax purposes, whatever you need to do. Uh, So that's a great feature of Automatic. It also gives you an idea of exactly kind of how you spent your week, how much time you spent in the car, how much gas it's costing you. It's a really good idea for looking back and thinking, gosh, what what did I do this week? Another great safety feature of Automatic is the crash detection. It can detect when you're in a crash and call for help, and a human being will even stay on the line and stay with you until help arrives. You know, for someone who's driving around in an older car that doesn't have a lot of these additional safety features, that gives me a lot of peace of mind. Uh, And also, it can diagnose engine problems. So when that check engine light goes on, that could mean anything. It could be a really big deal, or it could be nothing. Uh, you just don't know. And if you don't know enough about cars and you take it to a mechanic, you're ripe to be ripped off. Automatic is going to diagnose that engine light and explain to you what it means so that you can go into the mechanic informed. Or if it's no big deal, you can uh, clear that light yourself. Automatic is going to help you improve your driving with real-time feedback. Are you going uh, over a certain speed? Are you accelerating too quickly? Are you braking too hard? Um, and you can even integrate Automatic with other applications like If This Then That and open up the possibilities from there. Um, I've got Automatic integrated with my Nest so that I can cool down my house when I'm on the way home. I mean, it is just amazing what you can do when you can connect your car to the internet. So what does this cost? You'd think there'd be like a subscription fee and all of this other stuff like with other, you know, smart car technology. No. You buy automatic once and then you're done. So you order it for $99.95 over at automatic.com. No subscription fees. You're done. But we can do better than that. Because you're a Mac Power user listener, you can save 20% off the cost of automatic. So you're going to get yours for just 80 bucks if you go to automatic.com slash Mac Power. That's automatic.com slash Mac Power. They're even going to ship it to you in two business days and give you a 45-day return policy. So if you don't like it, you can send it back. So go check it out at automatic.com slash MacPower. And thanks to Automatic for their support of the show. Okay. So what do you want to talk about in terms of tools? Well, I mean, obviously, because you're a lawyer, you're using, um, you know, all of the the big name uh, Microsoft stuffy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that and I work. I, it's kind of a mixture. Um, the, uh, I think iWork is still a a good solution for this. I mean, they allow you to save to wherever you want, blah, blah, blah. Um, there are some things I like about pages better than word and some things I like word about better than pages. And so it's kind of a mishmash. You know, we got a new version of office. We haven't talked about it too much on the show, but it it just finally went, I think it's now officially. Well, by the time the show comes out, it'll be about a month or so old. Yeah. And I, I was using the beta and, and the office on the Mac has had a, um, a difficult tortured past. Mm, <laughs> um, and, and, uh, but I think they're, they're kind of finding the target. It, I think this new version is better than, than what was before it. And, um, I don't have a big, you know, gripe against the office suite, but I also like the simplicity of the, of the uh, iWork suite. Um, so I guess let me just kind of break it down in terms of task for word processing. Um, like when I write correspondence and do things like that, I do all that in pages. Um, but when I'm writing something that's going to be shared with somebody else, I write it in word because like I do a lot of my work is contract work where I write contracts or agreements and things like that. And quite often there's another lawyer on the other side and they're not going to have pages. So, um, when I need to be able to track changes and do things like that, I do that in word. 
There's a couple of things Word does better than pages, like a paragraph numbering. Like, you know, when you make a big contract, you have a lot of paragraph numbering. You can do it in pages, but it's kind of weird the way you have to do it. You have to like copy and paste, or you have to go through a lot of mouse clicks every time you want to enable that numbering. Um, like in pages, you can't save a text style that has the auto numbering attached to it, or you can in Word. Um, that's kind of deep catalog, but if you're doing anything that involves numbering, you're going to know what I'm talking about. And it's not easy in pages. Um, uh, the, uh, I had a lot of trouble with word crashing over the years, prior versions. The new version has been pretty stable for me. Have, are you using the new version of word? No, not yet. And and yeah. part of that is, um, I, I think as a student, because I'm, I'm going to be a student for another year, I can get it for free through school, but only as long as I'm a student. And then I, I can get it as a 365 subscription through my school. But I really don't want the 365 subscription. And I was going to ask you if you're using it through the 365 subscription. If you're using yeah. the new version, you must be. Yeah, I am. I just, you know, I think it's $100 a year, something like that. Yeah, I'm yeah. not I'm not so sure that makes sense, though. I mean, look at how long the old version of Word was out. I mean, it was, it was years. I mean, it was 2011, right? Yeah, but I, I need it. You know, I need the I need the program, so I'm gonna. Yeah, pay but it. I don't know. I mean, do you need do you need the new version, or would my, you know Word 2011 work for you? Because there's gonna be a boxed version coming out. I believe they've said in September. So yeah. I think that's what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna wait in September, see what it costs, and then potentially buy the boxed version. Because I think you've got to do the math. If it's a hundred bucks a year for what you're getting, and and I realize that you're getting access to it, and you're getting you know some OneDrive support and things like that that I'm not going to use. Versus buying a boxed version and then having it. I, well, I think one, one thing for me is I do the, I do use the iOS version and I look at oh, okay. the same contracts yeah. on my iPad. And with the 365 subscription, that stuff is all really easy. And yeah. um, I don't know. It's just like sometimes well, it's you, a just work need expense to, and... you just need to spend the money. Yeah. Um, so, so I, you know, I use Word lots. I use Pages lots. I, you know, I'm a lawyer. Words are important. Um, in terms of spreadsheets, I use numbers almost exclusively. I know Excel is more powerful and does some things that numbers doesn't. But numbers looks good. I understand the paradigm. Like, I like the fact that I can make a sheet in numbers that doesn't have a grid of um a grid that goes on to infinity, you know, in numbers yeah. you can have, you limit the scope of it. I think it looks better. A lot of the spreadsheet stuff I use end up, I create ends up becoming exhibits to contracts or legal documents. And I want them to look nice and numbers looks nice. So, um, I'm, you know, I, I know there's a lot of people out there that, that just think numbers is a toy, but for the type of number, uh, spreadsheet stuff I do, it's just fine. In fact, one of the things I've done with it, and I don't want to go down this this hole, this rabbit hole too far, is I create um, relational case databases, and where I, I, I don't even know what that means. Like it's like I'll have a, all the facts of a case, all the key witnesses, all the stuff. I'll have all the stuff, and I've created it in number spreadsheets, and it works great. So I do some interesting things with numbers. Uh, I guess the short version of what I'm telling you. Um, in terms of presentations, I'm a keynote guy. I will always be a keynote guy. <laughs> I'm not a PowerPoint guy. And um, for a lot of reasons we've talked about on our show, the one piece of office that I haven't really explored as much as I should. And every time I mention on the show, I get emails from listeners telling me that I need to look into this is OneNote. Um, uh, OneNote was one of the best applications Microsoft ever made back when they were really serious about tablet computers before the iPad existed. And I understand it's pretty good on the iPad and across their platform basis. I'm going to look into it. I just haven't done it yet. 
So that's the, uh, you know, the key office suites, but I also use what I call the Omni suite and which are all programs we've talked about before. Uh, Omni focus is key. Omni outliner is great when you're, you know, outlining things for you, you know, I send clients, you know, outlines of contracts and things like that. I do the same thing with my node, you know, depending on, you know, kind of where it makes sense. Uh, OmniGraffle, I still use the way I've talked about in the past, where it's just a, an amazing kind of like way to get a visual uh, representation of some concept and get it across to people. Uh, OmniPlan is the one I'm not really using that much, and I'd like to. Um, that's one of the things, one of my goals is to try and use that more, and I just haven't got there yet. Awesome. So we, we've talked about your office suites. What other applications are, are you using within your practice? I mean, you've are you using any kind of data? I mean, we know you don't use any kind of software in terms of, you know, managing documents. But what about managing clients? Yeah. the um, Well, I mean, the main way I manage clients is through OmniFocus. I guess I'm not sure what you're asking. Well, I mean, um, and I know we, we talk about this a little bit in terms of, of contact management, but in in terms of, okay, well, when was the last time that I talked to this person? We talked about it a little bit in terms of, am I using the right term, a, a CRM, a client yeah. relationship manager? Yeah, I don't need that for what I do. I mean, because I'm the guy, I'm the only guy in the company. You know when um, the last time was you talked to somebody yeah, else. It, uh, what I do, though, is like with some of my business clients that don't need me often, I have some of the times I'll have like a four month repeating omni focus test, you know, give Katie a call. And if it shows up on my omni focus and I and I for some reason spoke with you in the last two or three weeks and I'll just your market is done or or I'll defer it out two months or something. But um, occasionally that shows up in my only focus database. That's kind of how I handle that. Uh, one thing I do handle, though, a lot is a lot of text. You know, um, pages and Word are not the place to handle text. Um, I have running notes on everything I'm doing. Like every time I I've got if I represent a client, every time I get off the phone, I guess not every time, but almost every time I get off the phone or speak with another lawyer or somebody about something, I'll take a note about what happened and what was discussed and things like that. And um, I do that in just a simple text file. And that that's evolved over the years. We've talked about that a lot of, over the years on the show. Last year, I kind of went on my own little spirit quest and ended up right back where I started using NV Alt on the Mac. And one writer, actually one writer was new to the lineup. Uh, Brett Terpster told me about that. And I really like the app. It's called the number one with writer at the end. Um, I am very curious. And I talked about this on our last live show about possibly using um, Apple's notes app as a replacement for that. And um it's too early to tell, but Apple is actually in the game on this for me now. And I never thought they would be. Yeah, but, that that still makes me nervous because I'm not sure how notes is going to work. I mean, you have, is it fair to say hundreds of notes? In oh, yeah. NBL? Yeah. Yeah, I do. But because, you know, I'm testing. I'm right. testing notes. And right now I have. Well, that's one thing I, I don't like about it. It doesn't tell me how many I, I, I have at least over 200 notes in the notes beta right now. Right. Now, in NVL, how do you, how do you arrange those? I mean, do you have those tagged? Like do you like do you have it tagged with Katie Floyd? So, you know, telephone call with Katie Floyd on this date talked about this or do you have a Katie Floyd note that's just a stream of consciousness? Well, know, they, they have um like if you were a client, I would have the Katie Floyd company note, which is um it's got different elements to it and in um in markdown. So, I could like it would have contact 
and then there would be a section on it just depends on you know what what one section of it is going to be comlog but maybe there's a section i have about um renegotiating your purchase of kumquats or whatever and i may have a little section on that if it becomes a big thing that will break out into its own separate note and then at some point i'll have a communications log where i just have a a text expander date time string where I type a couple letters and it pops in and then I can usually dictate. And when I have a communication, the dictation is not always perfect, but it's good enough for me to know what's going on. So if you and I talked four times the last month on a particular matter, you wouldn't necessarily have four specific notes in, in Vialt about that. No, it would all be in one note. Okay. I'm sorry. We've, we've done this before. It would yeah. all be in one text file. Right. I know, but some yeah. people may not have listened yeah. to that episode. So I was just trying no, to get I mean, an overview. Just, we had this problem where I said, well, put it all in one note and then that sends you off on another application. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's in one text file. Yeah. So I, I keep it in one text file and then I can search that if I need to. It's, it's nice. Sounds, sounds like it works for you. And um, so what about, you know, and, and this is, this is always the, the X factor on, on Mac power users because Macs are not notoriously, known as being good in accounting and good for managing the money part of a business. And we've talked about, do you do QuickBooks? Do you do QuickBooks online? Do you try one of the various Quicken products? Do you, you know, do you try like a, you know, money dance or, you know, iBank or something like that? And and then adding on top of it, I know we're trying not to make this a legal show, but then you've got all the complexities of, you know, we got to account for time and billing and then generate invoices. Yeah, that's a lot of questions. I mean, I there's, 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 there's specialized software for legal time and accounting. And the other thing that we do as lawyers is we handle other people's money. So there's trust accounting as well. Right. And I'm using specialized legal software for that. Nobody really cares. But okay. um, for my own kind of the personal business side, you know, when I get income in and pay expenses out, uh, I don't have that really nailed down yet. That's kind of something I'm, I'm, it's a work in progress right now. What it is, is a, is a fairly sophisticated number spreadsheet. And then, you know, as things come in, my hazel rules are scanning and always looking for like, like my monthly bill for my virtual space and my Ruby receptionist bill. And, you know, those bills come in, they get automatically filed now. And I've got an accountant who gets kind of a report of that stuff, but it's kind of home baked. It's I'm not using anything like QuickBooks now. Um, one of the, I guess, advantages of this is my practice is not, or even just this type of business doesn't have a massive number of expenses and frankly, doesn't have a massive number of people it's getting income from either. Yeah. So, you're not having to deal with a big payroll department and things like that. Yeah. So it, it's right now it's, it's manageable. I don't know if I have optimally dealt with the situation, but um, you know, in the first three months I'm doing okay. <laughs> and uh, I think that's evolving as well. Okay. Um, and then, uh, you know, you were obviously Max Sparky, so you do a lot of automation, but uh, you've talked about using Text Expander and you've, you've talked about using Hazel, but have you been able to integrate that completely into your, your practice? Yes, it's, it's, it's joyous. Let me just tell you, if you're out there and you're a big company, you can't use the tools we talk about. Just imagine being in charge and being able to do whatever you want. It's, it's awesome. So your boss allows you to install your own third-party applications. And yes. You can, you can yes. use Hazel. You can use uh, uh, um, Keyboard Maestro. You can do all that kind of stuff. Occasionally, I, I go down, uh, you know, I get myself in trouble because I want to make, you know, I want Keyboard Maestro to do something that, you know, I spend more time fixing a problem that's not really existent. You know, that's I think that's a risk that everybody has that's like you and me. But 
Um, I think I've been fairly good at that because I'm, I'm busy doing actual work. But just in terms of like the day-to-day automation stuff, I mean, like, you know, in law firms, billing, sending out billings is always such a pain. For me, it takes like a couple hours now and I've got it so drilled down. It's like I've got a text expander snippet that, you know, uses the tab key trick. So if I go into the, um, when I create a bill for a client, it's a PDF. And when I go into, and so from, once I proof the PDF, I just click the button to share it you know, as an email opens up a new email, I put the client's name in, I go into the subject line, I type new bill and it puts in the current, you know, text expander goes to work. It puts in the current month. And so here is your sparks law, you know, August bill. And then it hits the tab key and it goes down and it writes a message to the client. And then there's like three different options I can pick from. Like, would you like me to send this to you in hard copy? And, you know, just certain things that frequently come in. And then there's a bottom field that is a large text input field. And I can write some notes about, you know, what we did this month and what I think is going to happen next month. And it really is personalized. It's not even though it's automation based, it's personalized, but it comes out looking so professional and it just takes minutes. It it sounds like you don't and your clients probably expect this from you. You probably don't send out much mail. You probably do almost everything by email. I don't. My postage machine is I go whenever I run out of postage, I go down and get tea and then I go down next door to the grocery store and buy stamps. <laughs> so, and then what about tracking, I guess, tracking all of this stuff to make sure that you're, you're getting responses, I guess, is that your proprietary software takes care yeah, of that? Or? Yeah, it does that. But I mean, I, I know too. I mean, it's because you're that small hard. enough, you're small enough yeah. that you can keep track of that stuff. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I, I, the, the final topic I think we want to talk about is, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about work-life balance and then kind of get your, your final reflections on how all this has gone. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I'm game. You're I'm game. game. You're game. But before we do, let's take our, let's take our final sponsor break. And I think it's relevant to what we've been talking about. Yeah. That's our friends over at the Omni group. And in particular, I'd like to talk about Omni Graffle. Uh, OmniGraffle is is one of the tools that I'm using every day. Uh, I used it before I left, but frankly, I use it even more now because I don't, you know, I, I control the whole, you know, widget here. But what OmniGraffle is, is it's a it's a way to make beautiful, precise graphics. And I've never been the person that got the training in Photoshop or whatever application you needed to get training in to use. I just wanted to make nice looking graphics. And, and OmniGraffle does it. When you open it up and you pull a square onto the screen, it immediately centers for it. And when you bring another square circle on it shows you the relation of those two objects together you can draw a line between them and then when you start dragging them around the screen they stay connected you could even type in a hierarchical like list of names and it will automatically create a hierarchical chart for you so um, it's just so powerful and then they've got all these great plugins you can put into it you know you can add extra designs that people have made they call them stencils and no matter what it is you can think of they've got it so you don't have to create any of the source material all that is is really drag and drop and it makes gorgeous graphics i was on the phone the other day with a guy and we were talking about something that it's kind of important but it was very complicated and as we were talking it occurred to me that i needed a, a picture of this well i'm not going to pull out a pencil and paper to draw a picture i just open up OmniGraffle because it's that fast i mean you can really create graphics as fast as you can drag things on the screen so we were doing that i put that on the screen uh, i created this in OmniGraffle. when we were done i sent him a copy of the image and said is this the right way this thing went happened and 
he um he wrote me back and said yeah that's exactly it how did you do this so quickly <laughs> well i didn't want to tell him i did it while we were talking on the phone but i did and you could too so go check it out it's omni it's the omni group uh, omni graffle they have a version now for the mac and for ios it works both on the ipad and the iphone um, you can sync documents between them using the omni groups syncing solution it's a gorgeous application that's not hard to use at all and you can download a demo so if you're listening to me and you're skeptical and you say no there's no way i could figure this out i'm never good at that stuff take my word for it go download it get that 14-day trial and just try it because if you use it a little while you're going to find it's great for you and whatever your business is if it involves uh displaying information to other people in ways that's easy for them to see omni graffle can solve the problem for you it's made by the same people that make OmniFocus. they're completely crazy about making the best possible software and you can see it in omni graffle just like you can see it in all their other products so thanks omni group for supporting us and everybody that hasn't tried omni graffle yet go try it just just try it you know give it that 14 day try and i bet you'll end up sticking out so thank you for, uh, thanks again on group for supporting the show so to, to kind of wrap this up before we get to your final thoughts and reflections i i do want to touch a little bit on on work-life balance and that's kind of where we started the show you know when we talked about working out of your house but um, do you have a routine? You know, how, I know you've said that you're extremely motivated, so it, it hasn't been a problem yet. But, you know, do you make a point with, you know, from in the mornings, I'm going to do this in the afternoons, I'm going to do this on Mondays, I'm going to do this on Fridays, I'm going to do this. How, have you created any type of routine? Not yet. And I think that's a problem frankly. I mean, I, I still haven't got it figured out to a point where I can have a routine. And part of it's just the nature of my life. I've got, um, you know, in addition to a law practice, I've got this stuff I do about books and podcasts and things like that. Um, and so, and, and in the law practice, sometimes I'll, ha I think I have the day wide open and a client will call me with a big problem. And suddenly the next two days are going to be taken entirely solving that problem. So it's hard to kind of predict. I feel like a fireman uh, quite often. So uh, I'm not sure if there's a routine for me, but that's something I've been thinking about increasingly lately. Are there ways I can kind of build some routine into it? I mean, one of the issues I have is that I just don't stop working. I mean, quite frequently, I'll find myself working still at midnight. And whether it's Max Sparky or legal stuff, it's just like you shouldn't be working that late every day. So um, I'm working on it. Well, and that kind of raises another issue is, you know, how do you how do you keep the streams from crossing? Because it sounds like they are. And has that become a problem? You know, has you know, before you kind of had this, this dedicated block from nine to five, you know, maybe not quite, but you had this dedicated block of time where you were in physically somebody else's office, where you dedicated this time to, I'm going to do legal work now. And then this other block of time where you dedicated to, this is my family time. This is my Max Sparky time. And now, now you don't have that, you know, does, does the Max Sparky side gig and, you know, distract from the legal gig and, and, you know, vice versa. Um, I mean, I'm doing them both at once. I mean, I, I guess if I just did one, it would be easier, but I would not feel very, you know, I would not be very happy about that. So, uh, you know, I just continue to juggle. Um, the, uh, I, you know, it, it was, a, it was, I never really had these things distinct before anyway. I mean, we, when I was at the firm, I was never technically off the clock. I got calls all the time. And because of the nature of my practice, I've always been kind of the guy for my clients and they don't, I mean, if 
you know, if their son gets a D, you know, arrested for DUI in the middle of the night, they're going to call my cell phone and ask me for help getting them a lawyer. You know, whatever it is, I'm the guy. So I've never been really off the clock from the day job. And, and to a certain extent, I'm never really off the clock from Max Sparky either. So it's just a question of me being realistic about what I can and can't do and being careful about that. And, uh, you know, I'm continuing to work on it. I mean, one of the things I'd like to do is thank you because you've been very patient with me as I work through these changes. I mean, the other thing that I haven't really talked much about the show or on this show about is I've had a kidney stone for now for four months and it has been hellish because you think you're okay. And then one day you wake up and you can't get out of bed, you know, and you know, you've got these clients that, you know, they know they're with you, but they also know you don't have anybody backing you up and you don't want them to feel like that you're not giving them the service they deserve. So, um, the medical thing I had on top of all of this was really difficult. Um, and, and continues to be frankly, as we record this, I haven't had my surgery yet, but the, um, but so it, it has been a challenge, but, uh, boy, um, it's sure been worth it. Well, I got to say, personally, I have been very greatly benefited from your new employer's liberal policy about allowing podcasting in the middle of your workday. Um, <laughs> because, um, you know, I, I still, as as the time we record this, but not so much after we record this or after the show publishes, you know, I, I have a very regimented nine to five and, you know, we've always had to work around that. And when, and when you had a nine to five too, especially being, you know, three time zones away, there was a very um, limited time when we could record Mac power users. And it, and it typically was, you know, 9 PM Eastern, 6 PM Pacific. And you were screaming home, you know, running out of the office, just barely saying hello to your family and running into record. Um, and, you know, I was staying up later than I, I typically normally would to, to get a show recorded. And, you know, that's been one of the things that's been great for me is because, you know, we can now record when I get home from work, which means by the time we're done recording, you know, I can go have dinner and then still have a nice evening after, you know, after we're done recording. Yeah. And you've yeah. still got your entire evening ahead of you. And I think that's only going to get better because, you know, my you know, my, my time is going to be much more my own, you know, going forward. So excellent. I'm looking forward yeah. to that as well. I mean, so. I am, I am just, you know, so the, I've had challenges, the kidney stone and just frankly, you know, getting, sorting out all this back end stuff of this small business took longer than I thought it would. And I think I was unrealistic. I was thinking, well, you're a nerd. You can figure this out in a couple of days. And obviously this stuff takes longer to kind of get working, but it's all kind of clicking now. And I am just so, you know, and, and this is no aspersions on the people I worked with before, but I am so much more happier um, being home and working on this stuff. And I mean, the clients have been fantastic. I mean, I, I'm so happy representing some of our listeners because they're such great people. And I don't know. I just feel like in a lot of ways, I'm the luckiest guy in the world right now. I mean, I've got the ability to eat donuts with my daughter and earn a living and podcast with Katie Floyd. I mean, I don't know how I fell into this, but I don't want it to ever end. Well, I, I think we're going to keep going at least with this, this piece for a while. So uh, I, I look forward to continuing this adventure with you as well. Yeah, it's it's been great. I mean, all the craziness, inv you know, aside, it just really is wonderful. If, if you're out there thinking about going out on your own, I know it's hard. 
Um, and, um, and I don't know what my story will tell. Maybe this will be a funny story in a few years when I'm, you know, living in a cardboard box, but, uh, for now I'm just so happy with the way it's all worked out. And, um, and I don't want to thank the listeners for being so supportive, you know, yeah. not just the ones who showed up as clients, but I mean, just the people have been so nice and so many kind notes. Um, it's, it's been great. And, uh, as I continue to move on as an entrepreneur here, I'm going to have, new workflows and stuff to talk about. I mean, a lot of this will come out in the show in general, but I thought it'd be fun to do a show where I kind of tell you, you know, the down low on what I'm doing right now. Yeah. And I think one of the big takeaways from this as well, and I don't think this is a secret, but you know, you did not jump into this haphazardly. You did not decide one day, you know, I can't take this anymore. I'm just going to go quit my job. You gave this a lot of thought. You gave this a lot of consideration. You did a lot of pre-planning and you really waited until the time was right until your your practice had matured to the right point in time, you know, until you knew that you had the clients there to support you. Uh, you know, this is not the right decision for everybody. You know, I decided to make a move. My move is different from the move that you make. I, I could not do what you're doing at this stage in my my career right now. But but hopefully the move that I'm making is, is the right move for me. And I think it is. But I think this this has to be a very carefully considered decision. And it's not just something that can be jumped into. And clearly it's working well for you because you put so much time and attention and thought into it. Yeah, but the only thing I would add to that is when I left, I didn't have enough clients to to match what I was getting paid at the old place and and pay the benefits and all that other stuff. I, I didn't. I had enough that I knew I'd be okay. And just at some point I took the leap that the other part would show up and I'm still working on, you know, kind of getting it to where it would need to be, but it's fine. It's fine right now. So sometimes you do get a little risk. I mean, I, there was certainly some risk involved. Oh yeah. I didn't mean to imply that there wasn't, but I just, I meant to say that you didn't just jump without leap, you know, looking first. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I bet there's some people out there, Katie Floyd, that have their own small businesses that are running on Macs that have some ideas that I didn't talk about. Like, I bet there's some Evernote people out there and some people doing some other things that, that, that have some ideas. So what would you do if you were one of those, Katie Floyd? Well, you know, if I was one of those people, uh, there are a couple of things that you could do. You could send us a note. Uh, you could send that to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. Or another great way to reach out to us is to send us a tweet, ask a question, ask a comment. Uh, you can send that to uh, one of us. Uh, you can send it to me. I'm at Katie Floyd. You can send it to David. He is at Mac Sparky. You can send it to the show. That's at MacPowerUsers. But the best way to send that tweet is to include the hashtag AskMPU because that will queue it up for our live show that we do every month uh, and and we can try to address all of those questions in the live show you bet so uh, there we have it uh, 2015 Mac Small Business thank you everybody for sticking it out uh, I want to thank our sponsors Igloo Transporter Automatic and OmniGraffle and we will see you all next week Bye.